We have every night has been the last night. We have shouted like we had no tomorrow. And one of these days there will be no tomorrow. Time shall be no more. <clears throat> right now we are still bound by time and we are impacted by time and things that have been said so far this week as the doji has been brilliantly able to summarize and take key verses and statements out of each lesson have reminded me how uh, easily sometimes we forget and um, we move on and it felt good and then it's gone. And I know um, I have given my slides to um, uh, that are there and you're welcome to have those and Brother Tim and uh, whomever they will, uh, they can, they have a lot of talent, they can reformat and type or distribute and give notes and not that you need the notes uh, because they're so special but sometimes our minds are so finite a new thought pushes all the old ones out and uh, we get overwhelmed and I um, I, I have you know I I know my job is to get through early, so my wife will have the lion's share. She was, uh, believe it or not, she didn't get finished last night. She had another. And um, so I don't know if she'll finish that or, or start a, a new one or what, what will happen, but I promise you that... Um, there, there's a, a depth to the word of the Lord, and I, I realize that we are, are living uh, in uh, perilous times. We're living in the last days, and we are in battle, and we are trying to get the, you know, as we go through the wilderness, we're trying to get Egypt out of our system. And, and you know, I, I know we can be critical of the children of Israel, but you think for a moment, if someone came to you and said, uh, where you've been living for so many years, like actually over 400 years, we want you to go back to wherever you came from 400 years ago. Some of you were not, as far as I know, 400 years ago, there weren't people on Australia. Some of the Filipino islands, there may have been folks 400 years ago, but you know, Singapore, I'm not so sure if you can track it back 400 years. And so imagine if someone came and told you, you've got to go back, I mean, I wouldn't even like to go back to how we were living 400 years ago, much less where we were living. I mean, you know, it was, uh, they didn't have indoor plumbing 400 years ago. They didn't have hot water unless you boiled it on a fire. So, you know, 
being reasonable. And I, I, the book of James is, of course, he is the half-brother of Jesus. And there was a time when he was very uh, attacking of his older brother, thought he was crazy and, and was very vocal about not uh, following and yet later uh, became a believer. And so it's hard. I mean, imagine, I know some of you have wonderful brothers or sisters, but imagine if your brother was Jesus. You talk about having a lot of baggage. I mean, first of all, you're like, wow. I mean, get on to him. Well, what has he done? Uh, <laughs> you remember that time whenever he stayed back in the temple? That, I mean, that was bad. I mean, what are you gonna point to that he really did that was terrible? And so James, you know, writes a great book. And, and in fact, uh, just in the third chapter, the end of the third chapter, the last few verses, I'm going to preach on five lies that ruin relationships. And it's just right out of the book of James. You can follow along. It's not a, uh, anything deep. I'm not, it's just the word of the Lord. We're just going to look at it for a few minutes. But before you get to the fourth chapter, which is where I'm going to teach from, look at the last few verses of the third chapter where it says, The wisdom that descendeth, uh, not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where there is envying and strife, there is confusion and every evil work. And verse 17 gives the seven facets of reasonable wisdom, which is the wisdom that is from above is pure, <laughs> peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy, good fruits, without partiality, and without hypocrisy. So if somebody's telling you something and it doesn't measure up to those seven tests, then it probably is not from above. And I know I would like for us, and then he goes on to say, verse 18, and the fruit of righteousness, when you are doing right, you know what fruit you produce? Is sown in peace, the them that make peace. So that's, that's powerful. Could spend hours unpacking those few verses into what it means to be pure, peaceable, etc., etc., etc. And so jump down there. Of course, there were no chapters in James, but if you continue on the next verse, James, the fourth chapter and the first few verses, he, he begins to give an introduction to what will destroy relationships in the church, in the home, in the family, between brethren, between churches, between... Here's what 
the lies are that will destroy or ruin relationships. He opens up James 4 and 1. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lust that war in your members? You lust and have not. You kill, desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you have not because you ask not. You ask and receive not because you ask amiss that you may consume it on your lust. So what we see from these verses as James opens up that he basically is identifying what we identify in 2023 as hedonism which is just a fancy word for saying you're all about yourself. You take selfies. <laughs> it's self-gratification. It's all about me. And he said, that's the basis for what gets you in trouble. And, and what happens is when you are more concerned about yourself, your image, your how you look. Well, what will I, what will people think about me? Then you quit thinking about how does this impact God? And I'm sorry to explain this to you, but according to James, God takes it personally. The next verse says, you adulterers and adulteresses. Wow, that's, that's pretty personal. Don't you know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Now you say, well, does that mean I can't have a friend in the world? No, you can have a friend in the world, but are you focusing them and you toward God? Or are they taking you down a path away from God? And you, you say, well, he goes on. I, I'm sorry, I'm, I didn't say these words. Don't blame me. Blame the half-brother, the dysfunctional brother of Jesus. He says, do you think the scripture saith in vain that the spirit dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? What was he saying is, I'm sorry. I know I may think I walk three feet over off of the planet earth, but envy is in all of us. The works of the flesh are these. Oh, not me. I would never. Oh, yeah. It's an easy trap to fall into. How come they didn't have this? How come their burden is not mine? How come they didn't have? Why didn't the Lord call me to Singapore? I preach where it snows all the time. 
why didn't the Lord call me to the Philippines? Why didn't the Lord call me to Gold Coast? I Go through. Here he says, but he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but gives grace unto the humble. So when you start thinking about yourself, what happens is you become an adversary to God. And you wonder, well, why does it feel like I'm just, I can't get through. I can't because the Lord, when he fills you with the Holy Ghost, he is more interested in your wholeness, your wellness, than anything that you do on Sunday. What you do on Sunday is supposed to open the door for his spirit to flow through you so that you can be whole and well and healed and set free and delivered. This was not something that we just, you know, and I, I, we had a great time last night and I, you know, you say, well, does that help? Absolutely. But yet James was very clear that you God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So what are you going to do? Well, you're going to have to, here's the solution. Verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. Draw nigh to God. Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Be afflicted and mourn. And weep, let your laughter be turned to mourning. Let your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the, might, in the sight of God, the Lord and he shall lift you up. The solution, number one, you gotta give in to God. Number two, you gotta get tough with the devil and you gotta get tough with your flesh and you gotta get close to God and you gotta get washed. Spiritually and if you've offended somebody else. If the Lord reminds you what you said, oh, that probably wasn't the best. You, you shouldn't have said it that way. Oh, you shouldn't have. You, it probably would. Be big enough to say, Lord, forgive me. Why? Because I want to get in harmony with the Lord. I mean... The last thing I want to do is to try to box with the Lord. You know, my arms are way too short. You know what, box? <laughs> Fight? Uh, oh, okay. You know, and, and sometimes folks don't want to get, resist the devil. Resist the devil. Resist the devil. Get close. Get washed. And then you have to feel. That's why verse 9, be afflicted, mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourn. I don't. What we have is a society that does not want to feel any pain, that does not want to feel when they've hurt anybody. In fact, that's why it is so easy to find something that will numb or dumb down any feeling 
that I have because I don't want to feel like, oh, I, I, you don't understand. I don't want to know that I hurt you. I don't want to feel that I've done wrong. I don't want, well, you know, I, I'll just step aside of that. I won't even go there because I don't want to feel it. I, I'd rather turn on something, drink something, take something. I don't want to feel anything of the wrong. And yet James said, you got to feel it. You got to know it. What does that mean? You got to go, Lord, I'm sorry. And then you humble yourself before God. And then you realize I want to restore a relationship. And so when you re recognize that here, that first, you know, uh, that first uh, thing that he said, oh, I'm sorry, was, you know, Back, I jumped. I jumped too many slides. My, that's my fault. Back when he said slide number, uh, wherever mine is, is number four. When he said, "My, you can you ask amiss because you want to consume it on your lust," and they said, "My life is missing something. I want to ease the pain. I want something to bring me pleasure, and it's that I need. I I need something." I need something. I need something. All the way back when he said, I want to consume it on my need is the next slide when he said, I need. And yet what we must realize is my God shall supply all my need according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. I, I realize, I think I know what I need, but really it's more what I want. I want, and yet, what do I need? The Lord knows what I need. Well, I don't need this. And when our oldest daughter was only five years old, she was being challenged by one of her grandparents, and she stomped her foot and said, I'm five years old, I don't need this. <laughs> and I wondered how many times I have stomped my foot at God and said, Lord, I don't need where I, what I am going through, where I am, what's happening. And that's why I have to then humble myself and say, Lord, I need your spirit. I must realize that I have to submit to God, resist the devil, draw nigh to God, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then verse 11, sorry, here it is. James 4, 11, speak not evil, one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother judges his brother. Now that's tough because there, I, I understand. You say, well, I'm just making an observation. I'm not speaking evil. And there's a fine line and it's a balancing line. You know, my sister Shostran said it last night. You know, am I reporting facts or am I reporting truth? And I'm not saying bury your head in the sand. You go to a medical doctor, you know, you don't, if I step out of here today and a vehicle runs over my foot and it's crushed and it's, look out, my shoe is leaking blood and I go to the doctor and I say, doc, I feel fine. My chest is good, <laughs> no cough. Everything's great with me. 
You know, and he says, but there's a trail of blood coming in. What's going on with your foot there? Well, I don't want to talk about that. How foolish I would be considered for not being willing to expose where I am so that I would say, look, I need help with this. And so he goes on here, and you, you know, when you say, uh, how, how am I going to help? Verse 11, James, speak not evil of one another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother judges his brother. He that speaketh evil of the law judges the law. I don't think the Lord meant that you have to do it this way. Well, you are judging what God said. If you judge the law, then you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judges another? So the second lie that you have to, that will ruin a relationship is when you start tearing one another down and comparing yourself with one another because God commanded that we love one another. Who am I to sit in judgment? Who am I to judge another man's servant? You say, but you don't know what they did or they said. No, and I don't know all the backstory or all the facts, but one thing I do know is that I know the judge, the king of kings, and I'm able to say, Lord, you decide what's going on and you make a judgment call. I can't play God. Goes all the way back into Leviticus where he said, thou shall not hate thy brother in your heart. You shall not rebuke your neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shall not avenge, not bear grudge, against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And I know, Matthew the seventh chapter, judge not, and I, I, I understand people take it to the extreme and say the church is too judgmental. And yet later on in the book of Matthew, he said, don't cast your pearls before swine. And you do have to figure out who is a pig and who isn't a pig. But we cannot do it with a judgmental attitude. You say, well, why? Because it, beholding the moat in my brother's eye, but I don't consider the beam that is in my own eye. And he goes on to say, every idle word that men speak shall give an account, for by thy words thou shalt be justified. And I don't like this verse, but by thy words thou shalt be condemned. You say, well, they're the ones that have done wrong. Let me consider my own self a little bit because I may have said or done something that I shouldn't have. And we've read it in the 15th chapter. We've read it. You can read it in the 13th chapter. It's by the love that we have. And Paul wrote in Romans, you know, 
Thinkest thou, O man, that thou judgest them which do such things and you do the same, that you're going to escape judgment? If you read it in the, in the NIV version, it says, So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, his forbearance, his patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. Oh, what a how easy it is to tear down somebody else, but yet we are supposed to build them up with a word of encouragement. I'm praying for you. I, I got your back. I understand you may be going through it, but I want you to know the Lord loves you. I love you. We're going to make it together that if you continue with the lie that I'm better than them you can get this even in church you know the story oh hallelujah great worship service I thank God I'm not as bad as that one huh I thank God who do they think they are worshiping like that? I know what they did last week. I saw it on Facebook. They were stupid enough to put it on there. You know, I appreciated what Pastor Lee said last night. He said, you know, be careful what you post on social media because... So many people in the multitude of words, they've fallen into a trap of sin. They've said things before they knew what they were talking about. Then they come back out and they apologize and yet it's hard to take it all back because what they put out on the media, sin is not ended by multiplying words. Well, I'm going to just give them a piece of my mind. Well, you've just lost part of your mind. I don't think you can stop somebody from sinning by just, well, if I, if I talk more, they will know how bad it is. Will they? <laughs> I'm not sure. Go back to James, fourth chapter. Don't criticize and speak evil about others, dear brothers. If you do, you'll be fighting against God's law of loving one another, declaring it is wrong. But your job is not to decide whether this law is right or wrong, but to obey it. Only he who made the law can judge among us. He alone decides who to save or to destroy. So what right do I have to criticize anyone else? That's the living Bible. I'm here to tell you I'm so thankful that it's not my job to be a judge. My job is to be a mediator. My job is to bridge the gap and let those worlds see Jesus. You say, well, you mean I can't talk to them? No, you can talk to them. You can explain. You can explain how what they did hurt your feelings. But don't be, you're, you're so mean. Don't, don't label them. You're such a failure. You're such a jerk. You're so, fill in the blank. 
Oh, you can be honest. I know you got problems with addictions, but guess what? We can put some boundaries and we can help. Huh? Be real. But don't do it judgmentally. The 13th verse of James. Go now. You say today, tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, buy and sell and get gain. Plan. That's, that's a great plan. That today, tomorrow, I mean, I can tell you, we've got a plan. We're going to leave and go toward the airport. And the plan is they won't let us check in yet. So the plan is that we'll find a seat on the airplane. The plan is that we get to our to Seoul or Incheon and then we run to the next gate. And the plan is then we fly home. I, planning is not bad. This guy planned today, tomorrow. He chose his time. He chose his location. He chose how long he was going to stay. He defined his actions. I'm going to buy and sell. And then he projected his profits. All of that might sound good and all of that might sound fine. But unfortunately, that plan left God out. When you make a plan about, I know what's best for my life. I know how I can make my career. I know what I can do with my life. And you leave out God. It's a lie that will destroy relationships. I've seen people so consumed with their ministry, their job, their whatever, that they destroy their own family. That's why James goes on to say in the 14th verse of this fourth chapter, you know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It's a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. For what that you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. Because we assume life is predictable. We assume life is going to go on forever. We assume that everything will be the same. Next year I'm going to do this and then, that, and then I'm going to do that and then I'm going to have this. You got to keep remembering, Lord, you've been so kind to give me this far. I still want to do it. It's fine to plan. It's fine to plan to have DCDs. Somewhere, Philippines, again next year, the next. I find a plan, but we all know somewhere it's with the Lord's permission because if I don't have his permission, no matter what my plans are, my plans are subject to the will of God. And I, I, I understand, you know, when, when you realize that, you know, life is going to be, well, it's, it's short. It's but a vapor. I, it, you know, if you live to be a hundred it's still boom it's over and and i i recognize that's why the lord 
told through Solomon in Proverbs the 16th chapter, commit yourself to the Lord in whatever you do and he will establish your plans. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You need to realize that you may set a plan and a direction for your life that this is what you're going to do and where you're going to be, but I'm here to tell you the Lord can step in in a moment and transform everything and you've got to be willing to say Lord that's fine with me I plan to go this track but now you've made it seem like that door is shut this door is open I will rejoice I will be excited I will feel fine oh James goes on, but now you rejoice in your boastings. All such rejoicing is evil. Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, it is sin. He, he nails it pretty hard. If you read it in the NI, NI New International Version, he says, "Boast you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. And I know, we all know the verse where it says promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or from the south. There was one direction left out of that verse. The north. Promotion comes from the north. The Lord will set you up. You don't have to worry about manipulating and figuring out a way to do it. The Lord will open the door. He establishes kings. He establishes kingdoms. He establishes work opportunities. He opens doors. He shuts doors. You don't have to try to figure it out and manipulate your way. And your job is not, well, I need to meet this person. I need to be friends with that one. I need to somehow get into no. You don't, you can lay all of that down. You can just be real and be honest and say I want to love folks I want to be like Jesus how would I have ever thought that you know however many years ago when I met the Lees and in, in, in the Philippines that I would be speaking on a DCD stage in Malaysia that was not some contrived let me figure it out let me get to know these people but there were people that I saw that were hurting and my I could not help but reach out in love and say, we love you. I'm praying for you. How can we help you? And we got to know him. What are you talking about? You don't manipulate your way in the kingdom of God and come to any success. You might as well realize that you know what? God is the one that establishes kingdoms, ministries, you name it. Oh, well, I'm, I'm trying to make touch points. I'm trying to get, I'm trying, fine, make touch points, but not so that you can get ahead. Make touch points so that you can be moved by the feeling of their, what they're going through. Whew. Anyway, number four, fourth lie. My significance and value is measured by the quality of the things I possess. Because you see, possessions equals power, and power equals safety. And I want to be safe. I want, I want to be safe. 
And so therefore, I'm willing to play the game. If I have enough money, then I'll be safe in my retirement. If I have enough money, if I have enough power, huh? Nobody else has ever been tempted to fall into that. Does it mean you can't plan? No, plan, but with the Lord's will. Because what happens is we fall into the trick of if I had more money, I could be more happy. Oh, really? We've all seen and heard people that had lots of money that ended up committing suicide, taking their own life. Money does not equal happiness. Now that doesn't mean God was opposed to having wealth. He didn't mind. You can have all the money you wanted and, and all the money that God gives you because he, the, the idea is how you use it and if you misuse it or abuse it, abnormally use it, abuse it, or if you're caught up in the love of it. That's where money will hurt you. Money is not evil. Money is a tool. You know, I know you think that none of this equipment costs money. That none of these cameras cost money. None of the microphones cost money. None of the headsets cost money. Singapore has a government that they just give these things away. Coming to this motel, having a room, none of that costs money. It was just free. Well, I'm paying for my own room. Well, great. The food was just free. Well, I registered. Oh, you think that covered everything? What you have to understand is I realize that money is necessary. That's why you jump into the fifth chapter and, and he, you know, he just continues on. He says, go to now you rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted. Your clothes are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered and the rest of them shall be a witness against you. You shall eat the flesh as it were, fire, for you have heaped treasures together for the last days. So what he was saying is, one of the things that you gotta understand is, if you have money, don't hoard it. Be a giver. God loves a cheerful giver. I have repeatedly these last few days sincerely told brother and sister Lee how much I have been blessed by what they have done for us, for me, how they've given. Oh, to whom much is given, much is required. Oh, but you don't understand Oh, how open is my hand. I, it, this will ruin relationships when people get tight-fisted. In fact, in the U.S., I, I, I'm sure you've heard the story here, but you know, they have the big Christmas carol story of the man by the name of Scrooge that, you know, finally had to go have three ghosts visit him 
because he hoarded money. He goes on down the next verse. You know what he says? <laughs> verse four, behold the hire of the laborers who have reaped in your fields, which is it of you kept back by fraud, crieth. Don't you know that those cries have entered into the Lord of the Sabbath? And then basically what he was saying is, don't cheat people to get money. Don't abuse them. Well, they like it. They don't know better. You've got to, you've got to have a proper understanding of money. You don't cheat anybody. The fifth verse, he said, you've lived in pleasure on the earth, have been one, you've nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. In other words, you've just spent the money on yourself. Oh, I, I made a lot of money, but if I spent it all on myself, what good did I do? Even the world, there are people that go, you know what? I'm a, I'm a billionaire. I'm a, I'm a multi-billionaire. And so I'm going to set up these foundations and they're going to be mine and named after me. And that'll be now I'll have a legacy. But at least they realize, you know what? This isn't good to leave all of this just to my children because I know what it'll do to me. I'm not saying they do the right thing with it, but you know, the, the key is, verse six, he said, you've condemned and killed the just and he doth not resist you. The NIV says you've condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. And that's easy to do. We can abuse others so easily. And I know the Bible gives us a lot of rules about money and I'm not taking an offering, so it's okay. But it says the wise man saves for his future. The foolish man spends whatever he gets. It's not wrong to save, but it's wrong to hoard. It's not wrong to put something away, save, but it's wrong to save and not give to the kingdom. I had someone one time told me, said, Pastor, I'm sorry, but I just, I, I, paying my tithes is too much. And I just want you to understand, I've been paying them, but I, I am so fearful about what could happen to me. I'm putting them in a bank account and it's in my will when I die, the church will get it. I said, well, Praise the Lord. I'll pray that the Lord will re rebuke the fear that you have. And unfortunately, I'll tell you the end of the story. I, I outlived them. And I was still pastor. And... His children came to me and said, Pastor... Our dad in his will said that this account goes to the church, but we think he was out of his mind when he said this. <laughs> so you can fight it if you want to, and you can claim this money, but we're not giving it to you without a fight. And I said, guess what? You're not going to have to fight me. 
It's blood money. You can have it. I'm sorry. I don't know where that man is in eternity. But his last wishes weren't fulfilled the way he wanted them to be. He thought he could clean the slate when he died. I'm here to tell you, you better clean the slate every day because you don't know how long your life will be. You better be honest in your giving, your loving. Anyway, here he said, don't abuse others. And, and so when, when you go on Ephesians, and we, we've read from Ephesians, he that, let me, let me tell you what it says. If anyone's stealing, stop it. Use your hands to make honest work. Give to others in the need. Make it honestly. You know, he said, Timothy, Paul said, tell those who are rich not to be proud and trust in their money. He said their pride and their trust should be in the living God who gives richly to all that we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give it happily to those in need, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given them by doing this they will store up real treasures for themselves in heaven it is only a safe investment for eternity and they shall be living a fruitful Christian life down here as well spend it wisely don't waste it but be willing to be a cheerful giver and just give it to the kingdom of God until your financial house is in order, your relationships will be in chaos. When people can't manage their money well, their homes are fights all the time over what was spent. The last, the last lie is found in verse 7 through 12. It's the myth of greener pastures. It's always, if only, if only this wouldn't have happened. That's why James addresses it. Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord comes back. See how the farmer waits for the land to clear its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient. Stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers or sisters, or you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, it is an example of patience in the face of suffering. Take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and you see what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear, not by heaven or earth or anything else. All you need to do is a simple yes or no. Otherwise, you're gonna be condemned if you're having to always give promises and you're having to, oh, then something's happened to your word. What are you saying? These lies about, oh, if I could only, I can jump ship. Things aren't going well. Oh, I'm here to tell you that if we will just put our faith and trust in God, he knows where we are. He knows how many hair we have. He knows what's going on with us. He will take care of us. Our relationships 
are supposed to be a manifestation of our relationship with God. That's basically what James was saying. And I know you've heard all of this. You've heard these words. These are not my words. All these things just simply say is get it right this way so that you can get it right this way. Are we supposed to be going out? Yes. Are we supposed to be mediators? Yes. But if I'm not right this way, I'll believe a lie about something this way. And it will destroy me. And it will destroy my home and my family. Whether it's, I need this, I need that. And I forget that God shall supply all my need. Whatever it is. I thank you for being so kind to us. I, I will tell you this, not just to be very candid with you. We, we, we were invited when we had been to the Philippines before and we were invited again. And, and it, it, was, it, it, was, it cost us to come. And, and I'm not saying that in, in any sense of the bad, but I, if I would have known the contacts that I would have made in the Philippines, I would have gladly given 10 times as much for the blessings that you've given us back. How did I know what I gave was so easy? You see, because a lot of times we, we think of our sacrifice and I, I'm going to say this and I'm going to stop and we'll take a break my wife but this is a dead sacrifice it represents a little time a little energy but this is dead I can give this without any problem I can walk away that went to the first sacrifice that was recorded in the Bible. Cain brought some fruit, dropped it off, walked away. Abel grabbed a living animal. I don't know if you've ever tried to bring a sheep. Sometimes they act like they were goats in another life. He had to wrestle that animal down, take a knife and cut it in the blood flow. It was messy. It was... That's why Paul said, I beseech you, brothers, by the mercy of God, present yourselves. It's not easy to do this sacrifice. I would much rather just give that sacrifice. I can't tell you the number of times I've been asked to give to missions and I'm willing to give. And then when Brother Brought says, I want you to not only give, but I want you to come too. And I was like, uh, that's a long flight. Say, well, 
And I know we have now a relationship. I, I'm willing to get on a plane, face 30 hours and fly to be here because of the love that I have for all of you. But, but before I knew you, am I willing to do that? Oh Lord, help me to be a living sacrifice. Would you stand? Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah.